Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. And thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture. And these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Most people are passionate about their job. According to a Deloitte survey on burnout, 87% say they are passionate about their job, and three out of four respondents stated they had experienced burnout in their jobs, and more than half felt burned out more than once. Job burnout is a special type of work-related stress, a state of physical or emotional exhaustion. When we experience burnout, we feel a sense of reduced accomplishment. Even when we are achieving results, we don't gain the necessary energy to stay engaged in a productive way. It's at times like these that we question our role, you know, our work, our jobs, our place in life, and so on. Today I'm going to focus on a certain type of burnout that affects the way we interact with others and how we feel about ourselves. This feeling influences the way we communicate with others and provide feedback to others in our team. When people experience overload burnout, they feel like they have worked toward success until exhaustion. When we find ourselves in this place, we may cope with our stress by complaining about the organizational hierarchy at work. We may feel as though the systems and processes in the organization impose limits on our goals and ambitions. And even when that may be the case, the effects feel exaggerated. We've all experienced overload burnout a time or two. Sometimes it becomes more severe if we don't intervene. Does this sound familiar? The more we work, the more stress we feel, until at some point we may say, I can't do this anymore. We think about waving the surrender flag and throwing in the towel. The Mayo Clinic proposes questions for us to ask ourselves to check on our burnout levels. Ask yourself. Have you become cynical or critical at work? Do you drag yourself to work and have trouble getting started? Have you become irritable and impatient with coworkers, customers, or clients? Do you lack the energy to be consistently productive? Do you find it hard to concentrate? Do you lack satisfaction from your achievements? Do you feel disillusioned about your job? Are you engaging in negative personal habits and or having physical health issues caused by stress? that could be from work or your personal life or both. I work with executives every week who have tremendous responsibility. I watch them burn the candles at both ends, and I witness times when they don't get the recognition to fuel the flame to keep it burning. Here I take a moment to appreciate four higher education executives who are keynoting at our regional higher education conference, Destination High Performance, in New Orleans this September. They deserve recognition to fuel their fire. Mr. Dan Bowman is the Vice President of the Michigan State Infrastructure Planning and Facilities Division. He's done the difficult work over the past several years to build an executive team to lead the division to become one of the best in the Big Ten with aspirational goals of being the best in the country. Mr. Bowman's visionary leadership provides the right type of leadership for managing industry changes and serving as a showcase for applying innovations and partnerships by teams associated with campus facilities and operations. Dr. Brendan Kelly 
is the president of the University of South Carolina Upstate. He is entering his third year. I had the opportunity to begin working with Dr. Kelly and his team within his first year. Dr. Kelly is a model for applying an improvement mindset in his institution. He's been willing to make strong decisions to build an executive team to become a leading comprehensive university in the country. Dr. Kelly is a highly focused and committed leader to drive organizational excellence. Dr. Michael Crafton is the interim president at the University of West Georgia. He has served in the provost role and has assumed the interim president's role while the university system searches for a new president. An interim is an extremely important role and one of the most unappreciated during a presidential transition. Dr. Crafton, could, he could coast along, yet he has assumed his role with great passion and responsibility. UWG is lucky to have him during this transition. And Dr. Natalie Harder is the chancellor at South Louisiana Community College. I've worked with Dr. Harder for the last six years. She's led the college through two mergers and created a best place to work culture as well as a financially sustainable operational model that allows the institution to reinvest in programs for students that prepare them for the current and future workforce. She's expanded educational services to the Cadiana region. Dr. Harder provided the leadership to physician South Louisiana Community College to be the best in the region and the state. She continues to lead the organization to become recognized as one of the best higher education institutions in the country. Here's what you hear from all of them over and over again. We do what we do for our students. Student success is the passion that drives them. And to do what's right for students, all of them at times experience overload, burnout. I appreciate each one for the tireless, focused work they do each day. They make my work worthwhile. So how in the world do we overcome overload burnout? Remember, use the questions I provided to keep a check on your overload burnout. I've learned a big lesson this year. I let my overload burnout level go too far in the negative. As I talk about this topic today, I'm applying some actions to move myself to a more positive place. Maybe you can learn from me on what not to do and then help me stay true to what I need to commit to. When we burn candles at both ends for too long, we do ourselves, our clients, and our team a disservice. As I entered the month of August, I realized I hit overload burnout. Here's what people naturally tell you to do. Take some time off. And for me, that's easier said than done. So I'm going to focus on what I can commit to doing right now to move the barometer toward the positive side. Here's what occurred with me this year. See if you've experienced something like this in your work. I scheduled vacation time in May and missed it for various work reasons. Every year I schedule that time of the year as vacation time because it's the time of year that I can manage client work in the best way. Plus I plan for that time when creating annual plans with clients, so it's scheduled nine to ten months in advance. I attempted to find another week attached to the 4th of July. It didn't work as well because it was in the middle of two of my busiest months of the year. This is the first year since 2011 that I've been in this position where I've missed the week off in May. Here's an interesting side note. People ask, what do you do for vacation? 
and here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to get in a plane, a car, or a hotel, and that's part of my work life most every week. Here's what I normally do. Stay right here in my hometown and spend a week in a nice house right on the water at Pensacola Beach. It's paradise, a nice house and a 30-minute drive from my home in town. It's magical for the mind, body, and spirit. I'd recommend it to anyone. So let me be clear. Not making the decision to take time or to better manage the issues to honor that time is only one person's fault. It's mine to own. Many of us experience overload burnout from time to time. I tell you my story today to offer some advice to myself and to any of you feeling tired and wanting to get to the other side. Here's what I'm learning from experts. First, let's not be too hard on ourselves. As I'm working through my process, I feel like a personal failure. I keep asking myself, what's wrong with me? Why am I so tired? I tend to be overly paranoid and jump to the conclusion that I must have a major illness. I find myself saying, there's no reason for me to be this tired and I'm forgetting things. I start convincing myself that I'm forgetful as people look at me with a funny look when I say something to them. I've learned to say, I may have mentioned this before. I become paranoid thinking I'm losing my ability to think with the capacity I once did. So I awake most days stressed about being stressed and tired. So I have to allow myself to let go and not beat myself up. That's the first job to move forward. I'm asking myself to honor that I'm tired and that fatigue is rightfully affecting my work. That's the first step to get beyond where I am. We're all facing the fast pace of work. We live in a complex 24-7 world. We can't change this. We have to manage it. And it's up to me to do that for myself, lead my team in this way, and support our clients to do the same. On our team, I believe we're doing the best we can with the resources we have, and our best is going really well. As I read recommendations from professionals who help people work through burnout, they suggest we find a safe place to manage our overload. And when we do, it doesn't mean we are lazy or letting ourselves off the hook. When I read their words, I'm learning to let them resonate with me. To admit I need to take breaks makes me feel like I am failing, or worse for me, I'll let somebody down. I know there are many of you who feel that same way. What's important is that we stay upbeat as we manage our overload. I can't change the intensity of the workload, or nor, nor do I want to do so. We're a growing business, and intensity is part of doing that well. I have to manage my overload burnout and do something about it. To act on managing overload burnout, I'm going to follow Covey's recommendation. Pick one thing to do to have the greatest chance of succeeding. So here's my one action. I'm not going to schedule too many meetings back to back for the next month. I'm going to see what happens as I take this action. If I can delegate meetings to others, I'm going to do that as part of the way meetings are scheduled on my calendar. These include in-person and virtual meetings. Now this may seem like a small action for moving the needle. If this small action makes a small step toward a positive difference, I am better in a month than where I am now. That's what I can wrap my arms around and commit to doing. If I bite off more than I can chew, I will fail, which would add to the stress of the overload burnout. So let's do two things this week. 
First, pick one thing to reduce overload burnout. Some of you may be making this choice because you are burning out. For those who are not, pick one as a preventative measure. Similar to what I did, write out what you mean by the action and your commitment. It has to be something you can personally own. And two, then commit to doing that one thing for a short period of time and monitor how well you're doing. We would all love to put work on hold for a couple of weeks, take a vacation to paradise, and come back to life that has been on hold and get back to work or life at home. We know that's not the way of the world. In the long run, I have to commit to leave work for a week or two with total downtime to clear my mind, enjoy life, and refuel to ignite the flame that rekindles the passion for the work I do. Over time, the small actions will not be good enough, yet they are the first important step to do what I can do now. There's only one person who can take the small actions to get to this outcome. That's me. I own my overload burnout. I own having compassion for myself to take a small step forward, and I own making professional changes over time to ensure that I refuel the fire that keeps my energy focused on the worthwhile work we do. I hope my struggles and steps forward help you wherever you are in your journey. If you are experiencing overload burnout, take a first step. If you're not, make conscious decisions to keep yourself strong. People depend on us to make small differences in their lives. Let's take this week to make a small difference in our own lives. Choose one thing to do for yourself. That decision will make a difference to others. I believe it. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. I look forward to connecting with you on our next episode, where we'll focus on turning customers into loyal fans. I will interview Donna Kirby, Vice President of the Blue Wahoos baseball team affiliated with the Minnesota Twins. Donna will share her background, experience, and passion for baseball and teach us how she's positioned the Wahoos to have one of the best fan experiences in the country. Please join us. Have a great week.